Hey everyone, today's podcast features Larry Lau. Larry is a exciting entrepreneur, investor, and now on to his next business. He's currently working for himself as a founder of a startup studio, and uh, we'll get into this over two different episodes. This first episode will focus specifically on his experiences growing up and what it's like to become a young entrepreneur that's successful very, very early. And the next episode, we'll dive deeper into what he's actually working on now. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ali and Upile podcast. I'm here with Larry Lau. Larry, how are you? I'm, I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks so much for your time. So Larry, tell me a bit more about your background and, and who you are. Yeah, so I'm originally uh, based, I'm, I'm from London, Ontario. Um, went to university and uh, at Western University, did a psychology degree, and I started my first business uh, straight out of university. So uh, one of my first ideas was to uh, try to start a t-shirt, t-shirt company, uh, thinking that we could make money, meet girls, and get rich, but that didn't work out. And eventually, we, uh, my business partner and I, we started a digital marketing company focusing on pay-per-click advertising and online digital acquisition. Crazy. Um, I also started a t-shirt company out of Western that lasted probably about two months before I realized it was not going to go anywhere. Oh, really? What was that? What was that called? Uh, it had a very explicit name that I'm not going to mention on this podcast, uh, right. we, we sold it to a lot of clubs and a lot of like parties. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an okay business. Nice. Yeah. So our, our brand, we were trying to build a, have you ever heard of Bape? Yeah. Yeah. So we were trying to build a, a clothing brand similar to Bape. And we actually had this whole storyline where it was like this bear and he was going to enter into this utopian country, uh, world and country where it was like super flat, uh, super boring. And then he comes in with like all this color and everything he like everywhere he goes, like there's like this trail of shapes and colors that would like change the environment around him. Um, and we actually hired a, we actually hired an illustrator um, from Europe to help us do some of the animation. But then we realized that if we wanted to trademark it and do all this high, like higher quality prints and, and really cool packaging, it was going to cost us like 20 to 30 grand. So obviously as students, like we weren't able to do that. And we're like, okay, we got to figure out something else. So, so you never actually got the product into the market? Mm-mm. No, we actually had the branding. We had the shirts design. And then when we actually looked into sourcing and, and doing custom tags, because we didn't want to just print it on like generic t-shirts, it was like at least $30,000. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so our, ours was a copy of a, a brand at the time called Baby Cakes, which is like a UK company that sold t-shirts into clubs. And the whole idea was if you have a really great night, you want to walk home with something. And so you take a t-shirt or you take like a jumper or something of that nature. And, hmm. um, and yeah, we actually got it. We got it to market. It was very low quality. Um, a lot of our shirts I think were made overseas. And then we just realized that the getting everything in and then trying to make money on the margins didn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. So we decided just, yeah, let's just stop this. But I, was, I actually got an introduction to the StarTech CEO as a result of the work that I was doing there. Oh, really? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but cool. Awesome. 
So, so you so you started your sort of entrepreneurial ventures in the digital marketing space, if you will. Yeah, I guess uh, before I guess before that, um, when I was thirteen or when I was twelve, actually, um, I started a Pokemon website. Uh, it was a website that was focused on uh, like walkthroughs and and like reviews. And where I got really lucky was I had all these different people that were wanting to submit for me different information from across the world. So, for example, E3 would happen in Japan and uh, a kid would uh, send me like pictures from this event and then he would ask if I could share it. And then some uh, someone from Germany would say, oh, there was like this event that took place and could you uh, could you uh, post this and share this? So I actually stumbled across uh, user generated content. And that was kind of one of the competitive advantages. And, and that website actually eventually got to a point where it had about half a million unique visitors every month. And that was when you were like 13 years old. Yeah. So I got rid of that site and I, uh, I sold it to, I sold the rights to uh, a U, uh, IGN subsidiary called UGO. Uh-huh. And yeah, they took over the website because bandwidth and everything was like super, uh, super expensive. And it was the whole like, uh, development operations back end like it was kind of beyond what my understanding was i just kind of self-taught myself html and built this website and uh yeah i got rid of it just before high school so you had already made money from one of your ventures before high school started uh yeah i guess you could say that so if i was more entrepreneurial uh, i think this was a huge learning uh for me um if i was more entrepreneurial i would have been able to uh i guess cash out or or uh liquidate from that a lot more so what happened was because of hosting everything as i was scaling my website it became like extremely expensive and overly complicated what i what the agreement was was that i would take on these ads that would uh from uh essentially ugo at that time ugo would uh put the ads and then help me manage all the hosting and everything and then they would give me like uh it was a one percent revenue share so I was making about one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars US mm-hmm. a month, mm-hmm. but essentially they were making like fifteen twenty grand off of me every month. So if you look at the valuation of what startups are getting now, like I would have been able to actually sell it for a lot, but I never actually sold it. I essentially created this like licensing agreement, and then the website kind of fizzled out. But if if I knew what I knew today, then yeah, I would have been able to. Uh, make a lot of money back then but, but it was a great learning learning experience how much did that boost your confidence when you were walking around the halls of high school and you're like i got this like licensing deal with a major brand and i'm not rolling in dough but i've got enough of it to i've got enough pocket money to do what i want to do how does that feel uh it, it was it was pretty cool to be able to make any type of money back then uh especially like what i remember was uh, I could be sleeping, I could be doing whatever activity, and as long as people were going to my website, and it doesn't matter, like, their time zone, like, I would be making some, like, some amount of money, so that was really, really cool. Um, I actually, funny enough, I actually didn't really talk about that with uh, people at school, because I didn't want to uh, think people, like, have people think that I was, like, nerdy or whatever, so uh, I didn't really embrace it as much as I should have. That is that is super interesting, but but you're right. The whole transition from like fitting in to standing out. You want to make sure that you're really fitting in in high school, and then when you finish high school, you're like, oh man, I really should have tried to do more to stand out, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, I kind of intentionally 
stop building the website uh, or like uh, managing the website uh, entering into high school. And then because I was no longer the operator, then my license uh, uh, essentially got terminated. But it was only like $150 back then. And I was I, I kind of gave that gave that up. Um, what was really funny was that uh, in addition to the actual revenue share, uh, I was actually getting uh, I was getting I had a I had a one link to this website uh, based in the states. Essentially, what he was doing was as long as I kept his link in his in his banner up, he was going to give me all this Pokemon merchandise. So once a month, uh, I remember in grade eight, I would get like boxes and boxes of Pokemon cards and like cards in the that were launched in uh, the states and and Japan where they wouldn't exist in Canada. So it was. I thought that was the coolest part. More than more than the money, I was able to get all this Pokemon swag, uh, like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of, of Pokemon merchandise. So that for me was actually a lot more rewarding. <laughs> it's, it, as long as you're driving value, right? Like I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then, so did this kind of spark the initial thought process around? maybe going into digital marketing it was just kind of like the first time where you were like hey this this might be a market that's really exciting or was it the t-shirt thing that really got you thinking about this uh i really wish i could say that uh so from uh i guess grade eight just before high school i kind of went on this path where i wanted to go into medical science and, and be a doctor like a lot of different uh, uh young young students um but what so essentially all throughout high school i was taking uh, science courses, and I never really uh, had an interest in business. So I actually wish I kind of continued that path after that, where yeah, I was I was trying to do uh, uh, some coding or uh, some other business, but I didn't really uh, uh, kickstart entrepreneurship until the the t-shirt business and uh, digital marketing. Uh, what kind of happened was uh, my business partner and I we after our t-shirt business failed uh, or like we we couldn't really pursue it. Um, we started building websites for local businesses, like really, really dirt cheap. Like um, we both and both him and I, we were working at uh, at our local bank, and uh, we would essentially solicit uh, different business owners that would come in to do like business deposits. So uh, actually, how it, how it started was a couple of them asked us, "Hey, like you're young, can you like build me a website?" And we're like, "Sure, we can build you a website." This is old school, like coded from notepad html and we would design the website in in photoshop and actually like slice it together so this is some really really old school way of doing it and uh, we would like charge a business like three five hundred dollars and we realized that hey like this might be a way for us to make some uh, make some money on the side and then we eventually realized that we're not web developers so that's kind of when we dis discovered digital marketing and um we started uh, self-teaching ourselves, and then we went online to find online gigs uh, through like freelance.com and Odesk. And then we started doing online contracts because digital marketing at that time, uh, around 2010, 2011, in our city wasn't very popular. So especially it's more prominent in the state. So we started taking on online contracts and, and developing and, and, and learning how to do digital marketing effectively. That is amazing. Um, so... So after our t-shirt business, that very summer, 
Um, I also started like a small digital marketing studio, if you will. Like it was me and two friends. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we went around to different businesses. We tried to build them a website that failed. So then we decided to like build them social media pages like Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. I think this was around 2012, if I'm not mistaken, or 2011. Um, and we ended up getting like three clients, one of which just like didn't even pay us for like our services, but we were like, whatever, just take it, give us some like more feedback after. Um, uh-huh. That's crazy. So then, yeah, so, so you, you start getting into this field um, and then does, I guess you just ride the digital marketing wave from that point. Is that, is that kind of right? Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of challenging at first. So when we first started like digital marketing in our city was kind of, people thought it was like black magic, voodoo, like they didn't really understand the internet at all um so it was kind of hard especially being young and and fresh grads it was also hard to convince a business owner to to give us 500 dollars for their advertising budget because they just didn't really believe in it so we when we actually started uh similar to what you're saying is uh we had clients that didn't pay we had clients that like for example one of them owned a restaurant and gave us gift certificates as reimbursement so it it took a while for us to really plug away at that and then how we were able to kind of build a reputation was that we were doing a lot of guest speaking uh, we were trying to run our own seminars we were uh, going to businesses to consult them for free and eventually we were able to work with larger and larger businesses but I would say that um, as digital marketing became super popular we had already established ourselves as like the the industry leaders within our community so the timing for that was 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 perfect. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a really, really good timing. And then how long did you run this for before moving on to other things? Because I've, I've taken a look at your LinkedIn and it, it's fascinating that you have not only done kind of the, the digital marketing piece as like the, the day job or the day startup, if you will, but there's been a whole lot of other investments and stuff you've done on the side. So it seems like you're always keeping busy and getting your hands dirty with various kinds of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, we started the, the digital marketing agency, uh, around, uh, end of 2011, beginning of 2012. And then in 2015, uh, or just before that, we were winning a whole bunch of different accolades. And then we merged with a local software development company. Um, that's kind of where I got a lot of experience to understand how to, how to work, uh, with large enterprise, uh, companies from a, uh, development standpoint. Uh, and then we were also building uh, large e-commerce uh, websites for, like the national, uh, like for Rexall, a national uh, pharmaceutical, like retail store, um, as well as other other major clothing brands as well. Um, so that for us was a, a a huge opportunity for us to bring to the table our digital marketing experience to work with these large, inter- like national international businesses. Um, so. I uh, left that company and sold to our partners uh, back in the end of 2016. So it's almost coming up two years. Uh, throughout that whole process, even before then, I was already uh, working with different uh, different companies. I was very involved with the entrepreneurship community at uh, Western University. And from that point, I was already trying to do some angel investing, uh, writing smaller checks to different companies that needed some funding. And then since the last two years, I've been uh, doing mostly angel investing and then uh, this new venture that we've developed called 88. 
Cool, cool. Tell me a bit more about 88. Yeah, so uh, 88 uh, is a venture studio. Essentially, uh, from my experience of working kind of in an agency service model, um, how we're different is we're not a fee-for-service company. What we do is we develop our own internal products as well as we invest into companies with in-kind services. So throughout my uh, experience of working with different companies, I have approached this for small to enterprise level uh, development with my previous company. I realized that there are a lot of great ideas, but a lot of those individuals lack the resources or knowledge or uh, access to talent to develop and, and build traction for their products. Uh, what also happens from the investment side is companies or individuals are trying to raise fifty to hundred thousand dollars, and they're getting those investors on as an at an equity position. But a lot of those investors may, may not be able to provide any of the level of additional value. And then what happens is that entrepreneur will use that fifty to hundred k and hire a company for fee for service, or what they'll also do is try to hire and build their own team internally. The issue is you have these new individuals that have a really great idea, but now they're having to manage uh, a team. Hopefully, they're hiring the right people, um, and, or they're they're paying a company, and a lot of times they'll just say, yeah, we'll build this, but they're not really thinking uh, what's best for the company. So our model is we're really uh, eliminating that whole process where a company or an individual has a great idea, we'll partner with them and provide them with the same end product of of the same equivalent value in an actual platform. But because we have an equity stake, we're, we're going to help them and determine, say, hey, maybe we shouldn't build this. Um, like, What's the purpose of this? Maybe we should be doing X, Y, Z. And as well, because we have an invested interest in this company, we want it to succeed. So our, our interests and, and our goals are aligned. And uh, we've been having like a lot of overwhelming amount of interest. Venture Studios already exists uh, a lot in the States, uh, very few in Canada. Um, but our 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 unique uh, proposition and competitive advantage is our tech stack, and um, really how it works is we've built all these uh, we built this framework and all these different modules. So once we actually have a portfolio of companies, if we have a new feature that we're developing or we want to do an upgrade, we're able to essentially update uh, the let's just say the operating system. So all these companies essentially now get an upgrade or there's an, uh, a, a new thing that we want to do for user management or the ability to manage invoices. Uh, instead of uh, deploying it just for one product, we're able to now essentially uh, add value and, and enhance all the companies that we have because of how we developed everything. So I'm seeing this as a, as a big trend, and, and you kind of touched on it yourself, this idea that there's a lot of venture studios in the U.S. I know there's tons in, in Europe as well. Why was this the the next best path for yourself? Um, I think uh, based on my experience of 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 on kind of the agency side of um, as well as as well as like the expertise on uh, acquisition, uh, the development side, uh, as well as kind of being an investor and also a founder. I think my experience kind of. Uh, puts all those different areas to kind of like a, I guess, full circle. And it's, I think what really appealed to me was that I really love the building aspect of a new startup. And I don't really like the, when you have a bigger company and you're trying to 
maintain it on a day to day, I found that to be a little bit uh, tedious and, and, and in some ways kind of boring. So Venture Studio was actually really exciting for me because what I love about uh, on being an angel investor or just my day to day is working with a whole bunch of different uh, ideas, different individuals, um, and, and being able to find people that have the work ethic, have the energy and help them build uh, their company, uh, essentially build their, build their company. And uh, a venture studio is, is the perfect opportunity because we're able to work with a whole bunch of different companies, different ideas, and every day, every week, every month is different. So um, as well, because we have the technical expertise, we're able to scale our development process. So also from an investment standpoint, when we're providing in-kind services, uh, it's capitalized at, let's just say, a fifty dollars or $100,000 value, but our cost isn't necessarily that same cost, whereas if you're an angel investor, when you deploy 100, 100K, that's $100,000, $100,000. So our model allows us to essentially uh, create more opportunities at that and uh, uh, work with more more different ideas. And, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun that way. Gotcha. And this this whole model also has uh, a much longer sort of lifespan, right? Like in in general, it's fusing the idea of venture capital, which is long tail amounts of money going forward, funding more and more funds, as opposed to just a application or a data agency or a digital market agency, sorry, where you're just kind of getting a one-off fee for service. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, from my experience, um, both from web development and the, the marketing side, we're working with these different businesses and we have a huge impact in terms of influence and helping them develop. Uh, and uh, when they use our, our products and, and our marketing strategies, we're helping them gain like ridiculous amounts of, uh, of ROI. So when you're a fee-for-service, like, it's, it's very difficult to scale. Um, whereas having this venture model we're, we're essentially like this hybrid VC model where we're able to build uh, these companies, have an equity position in these companies and support them. And hopefully we're able to gain uh, like the return on that is, is there's a lot more opportunity and upside. But at the same time, there's a lot more risk, whereas a fee for service, you're, you're getting paid for the work that you're doing. And instead, what we're doing is we're investing in these companies. But um, based on what we already do and, and previously with angel investing and and working with some of the partners that are already in this field, um, our model allows them to essentially uh, uh, create value because we're delivering services in the form of uh, of an investment. That yeah, that totally makes sense. How do you make sure that you don't end up getting the one large enterprise-like client who just makes you work on either the same task or? an idea that is going through tons and tons of bureaucracy before it gets to market, thus forcing you to spend more than a specific amount of time on it? Um, I would say that that's a, that's a really good question. So right now we're um, about two to three months before we fully launch and promote and, and market 88. But even before all this, um, we've probably evaluated and, and done due diligence for uh, about, uh, two dozen companies. I think for us, uh, we're kind of in this really great position. Um, before we've even been like fully like promoted and marketed, we're already having a huge amount of interest. And these 24 companies that we're reviewing 
they're all extremely high quality. Some of them already have traction. So we're able to, to be very strict on the companies that we want to pursue. So uh, exactly to what you're saying, we've been approached by uh, a few different uh, uh, startups that are, that are in industries that we may or may not invest into because of bureaucracy, because of challenges. Um, so for us, those are the things that we're looking at. So as we kind of continue and move this forward, we're looking for companies that have less, less regulation. Um, they may have uh, already some customers, uh, validation. Um, so we're, we're really trying to pick the companies that will allow us to uh, have the greatest return on our time and resource. But those are things that we're, we're trying to be aware of uh, and make sure that we're going we're gonna to be able to avoid some of those uncertainties.